0: Thursday such a crazy, lazy day
1: Thursday has its own peculiar way of saying hey Sometimes
2: Thursday almost makes you want to run away Thursday is such a crazy,
1: lazy day
0: And a very good afternoon, or good evening, or good morning. Whatever time it happens to be where you are. Hi, this is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. This is Thursday, January the 14th, 2021. And on Thursdays, we play a Western. And we have a good one picked out for you today. So, if you've gotten this far through the week... You should congratulate yourself by going over there and sitting in that big easy chair, getting your feet up, letting the cares of the day drift away. Get yourself a little snack, maybe a little something to eat, and just relax. Because we're going to come right back with this week's old-time radio western.
1: Thursday's got us on to your way of staying in some. Thursday makes you want to run away.
2: Thursday, such a crazy.
1: And had the grandest man that I had ever seen. Outside the heavy rains, had grounded all the plains. So I asked him
2: if he liked some company.
0: That's a really great older Dolly Parton tune entitled The Cowgirl and the Dandy. And I thought maybe that we could stretch our imaginations a little bit. And apply this to that dandy who was from England and visiting the Old West back in the 1870s, J.B. Kindle, the reporter for the London Times, who was the Frontier Gentleman. And that's going to be our show, The Frontier Gentleman, starring John Daner, written, directed, and produced by Anthony Ellis. And in the episode we're going to hear tonight, Kindle becomes a gold miner. He and a couple of other fellows strike a claim in the Black Hills area of the Dakota Territory. And you know, the Black Hills are quite a geological anomaly. They sprang up right out of the plains of the central part of North America. They run from about the western part of South Dakota on into Wyoming. And for centuries, these hills were considered a sacred place by the Native American tribes that inhabited that area. Particularly the Lakota Sioux and the Cherokee fought bitterly over these lands, both claiming rights to them. It was in the 1770s that a major battle ensued and the Lakota ended up victorious, and they inhabited that area chiefly for about the next hundred years. In fact, in, I think it was 1868, the United States, in a treaty, stated that that land, the Black Hills, was the property of the Lakota Sioux. But then, in 1874, entered George Armstrong Custer. Custer led an expedition into the Black Hills that discovered gold in French Creek. All of the reporters that accompanied Custer, who loved to be in the news, reported the gold, and gold rush was on. The 1875 through 1878 gold rush found thousands of miners flocking to the Black Hills. Three towns, three principal towns in the northern hills popped up. There was Deadwood, Central City, and Lead. And then there was countless other small towns and villages and mining camps, all occupied and inhabited by individuals that had moved into the area looking for gold. So that's the setting for our show tonight. So let's turn our clocks back to the 28th of September, back in 1958. Here's John Daner, as heard on CBS in The Frontier Gentleman, and the name of this one is The Gold Digger.
3: In the black hills of Dakota Territory, I met a lovesick miner, ...and got bitten by the gold bug.
4: Frontier gentlemen. Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just a moment, we will bring you this latest report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Seven nights a week on CBS Radio, most of these stations present The World Tonight. On The World Tonight... ACBS newsmen broadcast direct from where the news is developing, along with well-detailed eyewitness reports on current events. The World Tonight brings you lively interviews with people in the news. When big things are happening in London, Moscow, Paris, Tokyo, or Rome, they're all within speaking distance on The World Tonight. Now starring John Daner. This is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman.
3: The town of Deadwood is built between a canyon wall and a river. As with so many other products of a gold rush, it has attracted the best and the worst of humanity... The enticements being many and varied, from opium dens to gambling halls and saloons. Morning and night, the long Main Street fairly roars, and the sound carries many a mile into the Black Hills, to be heard by some half-starved, grizzled prospector down on his luck. I had gone into those same hills in order to write my impressions of gold mining in this area. It was the evening of my second day when I wandered into the camp of two men. Their diggings were in a hillside a few yards from their fire.
2: Evening, mister. Good evening. Any luck? Uh, no. Uh, had your grub?
1: Not yet, I... Well, shake yourself. <laughs> ain't no fancy fixings. Got us some dough
2: meat and splatter dabs. as that'll do you. It's well, very kind of you, but I don't want Heck to... Heck, ain't no trouble. Rest your saddle, mister. <laughs> Thank you. This here, gut robber, he's Frank Twist. So I'm Charlie Longball. J.B. Kendall. Howdy That's do. Smart to Howdy know do. you. Uh...
3: May I contribute to the meal?
1: Sure. Oh, it ain't got any sweetening, have you?
3: Yes.
2: Jam, sugar. Jam. Oh, jam. That'll go just fine on them splatter-dabs. See, we run out of sugar three weeks back. The belly wash this old woman makes. I've been putting raisins in it to get some taste out of it. I
3: don't know.
2: Here. Oh, now that's mighty
1: friendly, mister. Sure you can spare it. Oh, yes. Say, where have you been prospecting, J.B.?
3: i tell you the truth, I haven't. I'm a writer, just moving around, looking for something to write about. That's so. You hear that, Frank?
1: Yeah, ain't that something?
2: You ain't looking for gold at all. If I found some, I wouldn't mind in the least. No, I'm not particularly searching for it. I admire that. I surely do. What about you fellows?
1: Ain't running more than $10 a ton right now. We figured to uh, give it a couple of more days and then move on. Of
2: course, ten ain't bad, but there's fellas cleaning up better than 50 a ton hereabouts. Don't, uh, don't pay to waste time on hungry ore. Mm. You both miners? Well, Frank is. Real old gristle heel. Ain't that right, Frank? I allows it so. Me? <laughs> I was a cow puncher driving cows up to Cheyenne from Fort Worth. Heard about the gold, come on over. Well, yeah, I see that was uh, a couple years back... Met up with Frank. We got to be partners, ain't that so, Frank?
1: Yeah. And Mister, you ain't never seen such a greener in all your born days. First time he went a panning, I like to die.
3: Oh!
1: <laughs> and the young fool finds himself a piece of pyrite as big as your fist, and mm-hmm. thinks it's real gold. Gold, oh well, he darn near drowned himself. You know, I pumped a gallon of water out of him. <laughs> it's <a> fact. <laughs> oh, he learned better than after that, I tell oh, you. Oh, <laughs> I
2: did. Sure as your foot. <clears throat>
1: Hey, uh, how long since you was down to Deadwood, Mister? Two days ago. Two days. Hey, uh, you uh, ever go to the Green Front down there?
3: The
2: Green Front? Yeah. No. Mm, I don't think so. No.
1: <laughs>
2: Frankie's got a girl at the Green Front. Him and a hundred other the boys. Now
1: you hobble, lad, lippy yorn, Charlie. When I say I got a girl, that's what I say. Mary's the sweetest little long-haired partner a man could ever hope to have. And don't you forget it. Now you're getting my back up, Charlie Longball. <laughs> ain't meaningful, Frank. Ain't nothing funny about me and Mary. I aim to get hitched up with her one of these days as soon as I make a strike.
2: All right, Frank. Ain't nobody saying otherwise. Yeah?
1: Well, ain't better be. Well, I'm going to fetch some water in the creek. You watch that meat, Charlie, so she won't burn. Sure, Frank, sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I should ought to know better by now. I gather that Mary is rather a touchy subject. J.B., if you never seen a man with a love colic, you have now. <laughs> At Frank, I swear, when he gets into Deadwood, he's courting that gal like she was the finest lady in the whole territory. Buying her candies, all kind of fripperies, I swear. It ain't I got nothing against a gal. She ain't no worse than most. But I sure do hate to see a man old enough to be her father, which, if you ask me, she never even knew... I sure do hate to see it. Uh, hate to see it? Yeah, him making cow eyes and playing the fool over that painted cat. Why, well, she don't give no more and spit for him. It ires me good, I tell you. Oh, well, it's hard to tell a man in love that he's making a fool of himself. Now, that's a mouthful of truth, J.B. You know all she wants out of old Charlie. You know it's his money. If he ever gets any, she'll turn him hindside inside, too, before she's through with him. He won't have a tail feather left. How old is he? Frank? Yeah. Oh, 60 maybe. He never said. That's the trouble. Old Wrinklehorn thinks he's still a yearling. And doesn't he know that she doesn't care about him? Sure, he don't see nothing. She gives him one of them big-eyed skid grease smiles, he's a goner. Well, I'm afraid there's not much you can do about it. And if you take my advice, Charlie, Tidy! you'll
1: just... Charlie! What? Charlie! What? What's the matter? Charlie, here you boy. Take a look. Take a look, take a look at this oil up there, my balls are urine, look.
2: Holy suffering wooshies.
1: You, you ever see anything like that? Where'd huh? you
2: find it, Frank? Where? Boy,
1: oh, it's pure. It's like I never seen it in my whole days. Pure gold, Charlie boy, it's pure gold. Frank, pure gold. Old. <laughs> Frank you old hooter, slow down for you, bust a gut. Where'd you find it? I'll show you. Down the side of the creek. I'll show you. Come on, it's worth millions, Charlie boy. Millions!
3: In the gathering twilight, we stumbled, raced down the slope toward the creek. Then a few yards from the bottom of the hill, Frank Twist stopped, put a shaking hand on an outcropping of rock, and we saw a newly hacked scar.
1: You ain't gonna believe neither one. You ain't gonna, Frank. Frank, we've struck it. Look at there. Mr. J.B. Kendall, you brung us luck. Big luck. Do <laughs> you know what happened, you know? Oh, I was mad at you. Real mad, Charlie boy. I was passing by this here ledge, and I give the bucket a good swing to help get rid of my froth. The bucket got caught on a crack and pulled loose, a piece of rock come out. But there weren't no rock, Charlie. It was gold. That piece of gold. <laughs> it was
2: fabulous. I'd never have believed it if I hadn't... Boys,
1: <laughs> we got to celebrate, that's what. Let's get on back to oh,
2: the. Kennel. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Frank. I want to hack me off another piece. Well, go ahead.
1: You two, Kendall, go on.
3: Now, uh, now, no, wait. One moment. There's one thing, though. Is this yours? I mean, is it
2: part of your claim? Well, sure it is. Ain't it, Frank? Hey,
1: wh- well, I reckon it is.
2: You reckon? Well, we pasted it off, Frank, up the diggings. Don't it come down this far? I don't rightly remember, Charlie, but. Uh,
1: you see now, 200 yards south, 300 north. That's. When he packs out of Jackson, he for the police,
2: 44 West. Frank, we panned downstream. We never made no claim here.
1: Well, we got to do it right now, right away, Charlie. Quick. Yeah, sure, Frank. Kendall, you give us a hand. We'll cut you in for a share. Oh, I'd be very happy, as to. As soon as we get it staked out, me and Kendall go back to Deadwood and
2: register. Now you stay here to keep an eye out, Charlie. Yeah, like you say, Frank, but but s- suppose somebody else has already staked it.
3: We searched for some mark of ownership. A can of rocks, an old tin can but in the darkness we could find nothing. The three of us staked out the area and then started for Deadwood, leaving Charlie, seated at the campfire, a look of grim determination on his face, a shotgun across his knee. It was well past midnight when we arrived in Deadwood to register the claim, but the office was closed and wouldn't open until six in the morning.
1: Sure do hate to let that claim sit like that with only the young feller up there. No use worrying about it, Frank. You can't do
3: anything until morning anyway.
1: Well, you're right, J.B., you're darn right. I'll tell you what, let you and me celebrate. Drinks are on me. Bella Union's just down the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a long night, but worth it. Because in the morning, we're going to be millionaires. <laughs>
3: Bella Union was probably the most disreputable, lowest den of iniquity in all of Deadwood. Its whiskey was foul, and the beer, sir, I have heard best described by cowpunchers when speaking of shallow pools of water in which cattle have been standing, green, stagnant. The whiskey being the lesser of the evils, I nursed mine along, which is more than I can say for Frank Twist.
1: Give me another shot of that. Red I got a the in my belly. He
3: had consumed three-quarters of a bottle and seemed none the worse for it.
0: Oh,
3: <laughs> At about three o'clock, my companion turned a somewhat reddened eye on me, picked off, put his arm on my shoulder and said, <laughs> You miserable, miserable looking son of a gun drunk. I'm sorry. What you need? What you need is a drink. I have one. Thank you. <laughs> what
1: I need is a drink. uh in your hand, Frank. Mary. What? Mary. Let's go see sweet Mary down to the green front.
3: Well, now, don't you think perhaps we better wait until the office opens? Remember?
1: you, oh, you got to meet Mary. She and me. Me and she. We're going to do some rotten logging. <laughs> Twizzle down in Deadwood. Marry her in the morning. Come
3: on. We made our way down the street to the Green Front. The saloon was a good deal quieter than the Bella Union, but for an entirely different reason. Several ladies of assorted ages and varying degrees of decay were present, and with them, seated drinking at tables, their consorts. Frank Twist dragged me across the
1: room. There she is! You're Here, a sick you Berry.
5: wicked man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, mister. <laughs> mister, you <laughs> take your
1: slimy hands off of that sweet pure girl. Uh, come on, Frank.
3: You don't want hey, to... Hey,
5: do... there. It's old man Twist.
1: Yeah. Be talking to me, you raunchy old son of a gun. You heard... Mary, hold my drink. Sure, honey. Uh, Now, now,
3: uh, forgive the intrusion, but my friend is rather drunk. He doesn't mean... What do you
1: you mean, I don't mean? (laughs) Uh, uh,
3: Frank... Frank, Frank.
5: Mister, you got a mighty powerful whoop in that fist. You got a feeling you busted Porky colored in his nose. He sure got a pretty colored blood, ain't Frank. he? Frank. gave his head a hit on the table when Porky hit him. Wake up. He ain't going to wake up for a while. Would you sit down and have a drink with me, stranger.
1: Uh, 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 no, 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 no. We don't want no trouble in here, mister.
5: Oh, there ain't no trouble, Horace. You go and take care of the customers. Bring the gentleman here a fresh glass wants to buy me a drink, don't you, honey?
3: Hell, I hadn't thought of it. Hey,
5: you've got this.
3: Now, if, if you don't mind, that belongs to my friend, Mr. Twist. Holy... Is that what I think it is? Gold.
1: Holy... Where? In the hills. Sure, in the hills, but where? Let me see. Oh. Richest I've seen since Darby Methwig's strike.
5: Mr., you and him. You and him, partners. Yes. Oh. Oh, Horace, get the gentleman some champagne. You don't want to drink none of that snake poison of yours. Sure. Hey, you bet. Sit down, Mr. Honey. Sit down. Let that dear old man lay. I me, mean, we'll take care of him when he wakes up. Now, I-, I want you to tell me all about yourself. Where'd you say you found the gold?
3: Miss, uh, Mary, I never did learn her surname, draped herself around me like an anaconda. Every now and again, she patted my pocket to assure herself, I have no doubt, that the gold nugget was still there. There was nothing subtle about her. She came to the point with a minimum of preliminaries and was, I think, quite surprised when I declined.
5: You married or something? No. Well, don't you want a wife? Don't you want a flock of kids?
3: Uh, at the moment, the furthest thing from my mind. You like me? I find you devastating.
5: You don't like me.
3: You shatter me.
5: Mr. Twist likes me. He loves me. He told me.
3: Yes, I know. He'd marry me. Well, I suppose he would.
5: I always thought he was a funny old nose painter. Imagine him wanting to marry me.
3: <laughs> it is hard to imagine. Yeah,
5: ain't it? May and December. Of course, the old goat's got a lot of life left in him. But I think you're much nicer.
3: It's kind of you.
5: You don't like me. i have some more champagne.
3: Ah, Thank you.
5: How much you figure that strike of yours is worth?
3: According to Frank, millions.
5: Would you like for me to sit in your lap?
3: No, thank you.
5: What's the matter? Don't you like women?
3: On the contrary, I'm very fond of them.
5: It's me, then, huh? I ain't your kind.
3: Mary, why do you want to marry me?
5: You've got a gold mine, ain't you? Yes. Well?
3: Simple as that?
5: you got a better reason? I'd take care of you, woman thinks. You know, like your socks and all. Yeah, I guess maybe because I've been working in a place like this, I ain't the wife you'd be wanting. Is that it? If
3: I were in love with you, Mary, it wouldn't matter where you worked.
5: I'd like to find a man like you. Settle down. Wouldn't even have to have a million dollars. Just, just enough, you know. No, I think so.
3: Oh, your erstwhile friend is coming too.
5: Huh? The gentleman
3: with the wounded nose.
5: Porky, you better get out of here before. What's your name, sweetheart? Kendall. Before my fiancee, Mr. Kendall, lets some more air out of you.
1: Oh, oh. Okay. How come you didn't tell me you had a fiancée?
5: I don't have to tell a hill rat like you nothing.
1: He ain't going to talk like that if my
2: claim turns out rich.
5: Rich? Culligan, you couldn't find enough pay dirt in your whole life to beat what Mr. Kendall's got right there in his pocket.
2: Oh. Uh. Say, you you hit it, pard? I think so.
0: Well, now,
1: I ain't a man to hold no grudge, pard. Just you put her
2: there.
3: As I reached out my hand, Porky Culligan hit me a beauty, and that was that. But a half an hour later, I woke up, my head pillowed in Mary's lap, an anxious Frank Twist leaning over me, and behind him the rodent-like features of Stote, the Green Front proprietor.
1: Kendra. You all right? Kendall.
5: Oh. oh. sweetheart, I thought you was dead. Oh.
1: Mary. So did I. What call you got calling him sweetheart?
5: I can call him anything I want.
1: Uh, Colligan got your gold, mister. Took off out of here like he had a burr under his saddle. With the gold? Yeah.
5: Stole the nugget right out of your pocket. I tried to stop him. Well,
1: no matter none, Kendall. There's plenty more where that comes from. Oh, well. Uh,
5: maybe yeah. you better lie down for a while, honey, till no, you no. feel all right. Want to come to my room?
1: No, he don't want to come to your room. I'll take care of him. Come on, J.B. We better be getting along. We got business. Uh, what about the champagne? You ain't paid for that yet. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yes. A yes. uh, hundred dollars. What are you, a road agent? That's the price. Pay up. Oh, uh, so, here. Yeah.
5: Ain't I gonna see you again, Kim?
1: It's doubtful, Mary. Yeah.
5: How about you, Frank? You coming back when you're done with your business?
1: Well, I ain't so sure no more, Mary. Maybe you ain't exactly the kind of woman I'd want to be raising my kids.
5: How come?
1: I thought you were sweet on me. I was, but you're a fickle female woman, and I aim to do some better with my millions. Come on, let's go, Candle. We left the forlorn miss
3: of the green front and walked down the street to the land office. Frank Twist was remarkably sober. We had an hour to wait until six, and then the office opened. The agent took our claim and began to go through his files.
1: You know, I'm mighty glad, mighty glad I found out about that woman, for it was too late, J.B. Oh? Yes, sir. I got you to thank for that. Why, sure. Only thing she was interested in was my money.
3: Yes, I rather... Gathered that impression myself.
1: A yowling and a screeching. Mm-hmm. Figured for a while you was dead. Right there with you ain't yet cold. She's asking me to marry her. And then you wake up and she starts calling you sweetheart. Well, we're both to
3: be congratulated, Frank. I'm still alive. You're still
1: single. Yeah. Gee, sure it's taking that fella some time to check that claim. Yeah, boys? Oh, everything everything fine, huh?
2: Uh, sure, but not for you it ain't. No. Not for us. Unless you made a real big mistake when you staked it out, that claim's already spoke for It ain't. It it, it can't be. I'm sorry. It sure enough is. Let's see. The name of Culligan. Porky Culligan. He's legal owner. What's the matter? You boys find some gold up there? I went back with Frank Twist to his camp. Then
3: with Charlie Longbaugh... We walked down to the creek and looked at the outcropping of gold. Two days later, Culligan found it. And the day after that, he married Mary of the Green Front.
4: Frontier Gentleman was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns, Harry Bartell, Virginia Gregg, Jack Moyles, and Jack Crucian. us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking. From September 28,
0: 1958, originally heard on the CBS radio network, That was John Daner as J.B. Kendall, the frontier gentleman. The name of that one was the gold digger, and I'm not sure if Kendall was the gold digger in that one and his friends, or if it was Virginia Gregg, (laughs) who played a very memorable character, as she was wont to do. Following the defeat of the Lakota and their Cheyenne and Arapaho allies in 1876, the United States took control of the region in violation of the Treaty of Fort Laramie. That was the one we mentioned earlier from 1868. The Lakota never accepted the validity of the U.S. appropriation, and they continue to try to reclaim their property. On July 23, 1980, in the United States versus the Sioux Nation of Indians, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that the Black Hills were illegally taken, and they ruled that the initial offering price plus interest, nearly $106 million, be paid. The Lakota refused the settlement as they wanted the Black Hills returned to them. The money to this day remains in an interest-bearing account, which now amounts to over $757 million. But the Lakota still refused to take the money. They believed that accepting the settlement would validate the U.S. theft of their most sacred land. is going to slam the lid on Thursday January the 14th in 2021 it's also going to slam the lid on this week so if you've been able to join us every day we are so happy that you came along we will be back on the weekend with an archive show and we look forward to seeing you then hope you have a great week this is our great weekend you still have Friday to get through but uh, Fridays are easy aren't they Anyway, we're going to go out tonight with a song by Larry Verne from 1960. And once you hear the song, I think you will understand why I chose this one. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by and I'm so glad you met me.
4: 7th Cavalry went riding on And from the rear a voice was heard A brave young man with a trembling
5: word Went loud and clear What am I doing
3: here?
2: Please, Mr. Custer I
5: don't want to go Hey, Mr. Custer Please don't make me go a dream last night About to come and fight Somebody yelled attack And there I stood with the arrow in my back Please,
0: Mr. Custer
5: I don't want to go Oh, oh. bushes out there
2: they're moving. And there's the engine behind everyone. Hey, Mr. Custer, you mind if I'll be excused race this afternoon?
5: Hey, Charlie, duck your head. Oh, you're a little bit late on that one, Charlie. Whew, <laughs> I bet that smarts.
4: They were sure of victory, the men of the Seventh cavalry, as they rolled on.
2: And from the rear of voice heard, That sacred
5: voice with a trembling word Read
2: loud and clear What am I doing here? Please, Mr. Custer I don't want to go Listen, Mr. Custer
5: Please don't make me go I don't want to go oh,
2: no I wonder what the engine word for friend is Say friend, Kemosabe, that's it Kemosabe, hey out there, Kemosabe No, that isn't it Look at him out there Running around like
0: a bunch of wild engines joking. <laughs>